Welcome to True Crime Mysteries, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart of the world's most gripping true crime stories. I'm your host, Megan, and I've spent years researching, investigating, and seeking the truth in dark corners where most people dare not look. Each week, we'll delve into a new case, peeling back layers of mystery, law, and human behavior. Together, we'll explore the intricate webs woven by those who break society's most sacred laws. We'll cover cold cases, missing persons, and recently uncovered serial killers, and instances where DNA has identified a killer. Join us as we journey back in the past, bring decade-old cases to life, and explore the dark, tragic, and inexplicable. And maybe find a light of justice at the end of the tunnel. This is True Crime Mysteries. And today we're going to be discussing the disturbing cold case of two teens murdered in Texas, the man who confessed to their murders, and the connection to a serial killer in the area. Though this is currently a cold case, it has a very high chance of being resolved and soon, along with 11 other murder cases. Cases we cover, there's always hope that someone holds that key piece of evidence that could be what detectives need to get this solved. But with that being said, let's get into it. It was on November 14, 1971, when best friends, 15-year-old Maria Johnson and 15-year-old Debbie Ackerman, set out for a surfing trip headed out for Galveston, Texas. Galveston is known for its beautiful beaches, year-round sunny weather, and some of the best surfing in the United States. The two teens were nearly inseparable. Debbie was outgoing, bubbly, and remembered as always laughing. Maria was more shy. Lots of people knew her to be quiet, but close friends knew her true and chatty nature. The two were just starting out in life and were full of hope and promise. Excellent students who both loved the outdoors, especially surfing. Debbie was a champion water skier. Born and raised in Galveston, she was a natural at water sports and took to it easily. Maria had recently moved to the island, and the two had met at Ball High School, and the two quickly became best friends. The families of Maria and Debbie were also well acquainted with each other. Given their daughter's strong bond, there was no issue with them being out or going out on day trips. But the rule was that they stick together, call home if plans changed, and to be home by curfew. That day, the girls planned to visit Houston, Texas, which is around 55 miles from Galveston or about an hour's drive. As the girls were both 15, they didn't have cars yet and planned to hitchhike. But it was the 1970s, and it was incredibly common for young men and women to hitchhike across the globe. Whilst the practice has been outdated as pretty dangerous now, in the 1970s, many young people saw it as the perfect way to get around. Hitchhiking in a pair seemed less dangerous than trying to hitch a ride alone. It was around midday on that Sunday. They were near Stewart Beach, outside of a Baskin-Robbins ice cream shop. Witnesses reported seeing the two buy ice cream and then start asking around for rides. A man in a white van pulled up to the curb and asked the girls where they were going. The two replied that they needed to get to Houston, and coincidentally, Houston was on his route. The two giggled as they got into their ride, not knowing it would be the last time they would ever be seen alive. Debbie and Maria's parents began to worry when they didn't receive a call from their daughters. Before the time of cell phones, the parents had no way of knowing if the girls had made it safely to Houston. 
The next morning, the worried parents called the Houston Police Department to report their daughter's missing. Thankfully, the report was taken seriously, and they were not dubbed as runaways as many teens were during this time. The Galveston Police and Houston Police collaborated to coordinate a statewide search for the two girls. Two days later, on November 17, 1971, the search for the two girls ended in heartbreak. A fisherman found the body of Maria First in Turner's Bayou in Texas City, roughly 18 miles from Galveston. Law enforcement then found Debbie's body 100 yards away. Both girls had their hands bound, had their clothes from their waist down removed, sexually assaulted, and shot twice to the back of the skull. Their bodies were then dumped in the waters below. The crime rocked Galveston, the state of Texas, and the nation, who would be so callous towards such young girls who were only trying to get to Houston. Despite the enormous media outcry, there were few leads, and the case quickly went cold. The families of Debbie and Maria made multiple appeals for the guilty party to come forward, but those appeals fell on deaf ears. But the murder of these two young girls was not going to be the end for Texas law enforcement. Throughout the 1970s, there were going to be many more murders, all of similar circumstances to plague Texas. This would only be the beginning, and a week after Debbie and Maria's bodies were discovered, the body of 14-year-old Colette Anise Wilson was found near the attic's reservoir. Colette had been missing since June 17th, and had been abducted from Alvin, Texas, after band practice. She had also been shot, execution-style, to the back of the skull. After the discovery of Colette, another body was found nearby. This would be 19-year-old Glory Ann Gonzalez. She had disappeared from near her apartment on October 28th. Her cause of death was blunt force trauma to the skull. Then, in January 1972, two boys found the bodies of 13-year-old Sharon Lynn Shaw and Rhonda Renee Johnson in Clear Lake, Galveston. The remains had been skeletal by the time they were discovered. The girls had been missing since August 4, 1971. They'd been abducted while at the beach in Harris County. In addition to these murders, there were five others, bringing the total to 11 all in a 12-month period, all with similar circumstances. Over the years, that number would grow to nearly 30 in the area, all unsolved cold cases. Debbie and Maria's case would be reopened in 1998 when convicted killer Edward Harold Bell sent letters to prosecutors in the area confessing to the murders of Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson in 1971, along with nine others. The letter started off with, Dear Sir, I have decided to tell you I was brainwashed into killing Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson in November 1971, and went on to say, quote, If you could get me immunity from prosecution of any kind, I could lay a lot of stuff on you, and I will. However, when examined, the confessions were deemed as unreliable evidence and dismissed. Bell was interviewed, but he asked for immunity in exchange for testimony and refused to cooperate. Harris County Prosecution has gone on to say that letters have now been lost, though detectives who had been able to see the letters stated that there had been information about the crimes that had never been revealed to the public, leaving some to believe they were credible. Edward Bell was already serving a 71-year prison sentence for the murder of Larry Dickens. It was on August 24, 1978, 
when Bell was in Pasadena, California, parked in a local neighborhood. He was in his vehicle, without pants on, watching a group of girls playing. A father and former Marine supervising the kids saw Bell, saw what was going on in the vehicle, and approached Bell, attempting to get the vehicle's keys so that Bell couldn't flee the scene. While confronting him, Bell drew a pistol and shot Larry. Larry was wounded and crawling back to his driveway when Bell got out of his vehicle, grabbed a shotgun from the back, and killed Larry Dickens before getting his keys and attempting to flee. He was caught soon after by law enforcement. Edward Bell had been released on $125,000 bail, but when he was released, he fled the state, eluding law enforcement for 14 years. He fled the country from Mexico and then Central America. It was a tip that came in that he was in Panama after he was shown on the TV program America's Most Wanted. It was there he was arrested and extradited back to California. Edward Bell was born in southern Texas in 1939, primarily living in the Houston area. He'd went to university to become a teacher, but it doesn't appear that he ever was. He was first arrested in 1966 for exposing himself to minors. He escaped jail by asking the judge for leniency and opted for psychiatric treatment, which he received. After treatment, he was arrested again in 1969 for the same crime. Again, jail was avoided in favor of psychiatric treatment. His first wife divorced him and also cut ties with his three children, citing him as a danger to herself and their kids. While in treatment, it was discovered that he was romancing patients there, and he ended up marrying a 17-year-old he met while in treatment. He was 31 at that time. After his release, he moved to Galveston with his new wife and became involved in a local surfing business. It was an area that Maria Johnson and Debbie Ackerman had been known to frequent, along with several other of these cold case victims. In 1974, he was arrested again, this time for violently sexually assaulting a patient that he'd met at a mental hospital he'd previously been at. The charges were dropped in that case as well, and he was never formally charged. He was arrested several times throughout his time in Texas, but each time he would always elude being formally charged. He eventually left Texas and moved to California. That was when the Larry Dickens murder occurred. So, an extensive criminal history of inappropriate behavior towards minors, sexual assault, violence, and abduction. He would brag to his friends that he could talk himself out of anything. But for such an extensive criminal history, it's shocking that he was still allowed to walk free for as long as he did. And whilst Edward Bell somewhat claimed responsibilities for the murders, he would later recant his confessions, making this case all the more confusing. Bell told the Daily Mail that his father had brainwashed him as a child to be a flasher and to sexually assault and kill girls. In his original letter, he confessed to murdering Debbie and Maria, along with Sharon Shaw, Rhonda Renee Johnson, Colette Anise Wilson, Gloria Ann Gonzalez, Georgia Gear, Brooks Bracewell, Nina Lynn Cluge, and Kimberly Ray Pitchford who had been a 16-year-old, murdered in 1973, and hadn't been believed to be connected to the other murders. He also confessed to an unnamed victim that has yet to be identified. He referred to them in his letters as the 11 that went to heaven. Bell then went on to take several interviews with local newspapers in 2017. Quote, I did not kill Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson. 
He explained that he had confessed to the murders because he was suicidal at the time and wanted the state to sentence him to the death penalty. He also blamed his depression on a network of government spies that were conspiring against him. Throughout his various prison interviews, Bell mentions the supposed program that he was put through and the brainwashing he endured. In his letters, he confessed to callously taking the lives of Debbie Maria and countless other women, but he also notes that he was brainwashed to do so. One of the journalists who interviewed him believes that he suffers from some sort of severe psychiatric disorder. She described his behavior as erratic, paranoid, and full of grand conspiracies about the government. He never took full responsibility for the murders he committed. Instead, he said that he was forced to by the program. And despite concerns that he was making everything up, the details about the crimes themselves were clear and matched police reports that were never made public. In addition to the confessions and that he lived in the area of the abductions, he also owned a white van. We know about the van because he was arrested while driving it in January 1972 for exposing himself to minors. This van matched the description of the vans that Debbie and Maria had last been seen getting into. At this point in time, it's unclear because it hasn't been made public if there's DNA evidence to compare. And it's also unclear if Texas law enforcement is continuing to look into Edward Bell as a suspect. It doesn't mean they aren't, it just means it isn't publicly available. There's also no solid evidence that we know of tying him to any of the murders at this point in time. All of the current evidence is circumstantial. Though records show, even when he was in Panama, wherever Edward Bell lived, teenage girls were abducted and murdered. A string of cold cases seemed to follow him in all of the places he has ever been known to reside in. Unfortunately, Edward Bell passed away in 2019 at the age of 80 before investigators could verify his accounts further. Maria's sister told local media that she had no words for Edward Harold Bell, but was happy that he, quote, no longer walks this earth and will never be paroled. The case of Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson remains unsolved. Anyone with information is asked to contact the Galveston County District Attorney, Jack Rohde, at 1-800-566-2209. Well, folks, we've reached the end of another gripping episode here on True Crime Mysteries. Thank you for joining me as we delve deep into the complexities of today's case. Before we go, let's not forget the human element in these stories. The victims, their families, and sometimes even the perpetrators are all part of a larger societal puzzle that we're trying to understand. While we explore these cases, it's crucial to remember the impact on real lives and communities. If you want to keep up with our weekly investigations, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are captivated by these stories as we are, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. Your support helps us bring more unsolved mysteries and untold stories to light. With that being said, stay curious, stay vigilant, and most importantly, stay safe. Until next week, good night.